No, you tell it. No, you. I'm not telling it. You should totally tell it. <laughs> well, you should tell it. No, you tell it. No, You Tell It is a series that switches up the storytelling. So each performer writes a true life tale and then, switching with a partner, performs the other person's story, giving everyone involved the chance to share their own stories and experience someone else's. Ever get a song stuck in your head? What about a place or a moment in time? Tobias Carroll contemplates the quirks of the mind in his piece, Ambient Spaces, read for us here by Alex Rubin. Consider the way memory summons specific places or situations. I think about the way my hand rushed to grab the area once occupied by a broken hot water knob on a bathroom sink. I remember trips on or near the water, standing on a lookout point at the edge of a river or sitting on board a commuter ferry bound for a destination a few miles away. If I remained there for too long, I started to feel the sway of the water below me whether I was on land or on some vessel designed to cross it. Later came the experience of trying to sleep at night and feeling the sensation of my body rocking back and forth as though it was still being conveyed over the surface of the water. Consider the way memories and spaces creep into our bodies, making them do impossible things. In a recent article in the New York Times Magazine, Kim Tingley wrote memorably about space and bodies. There's a tradition of navigators in the Marshall Islands who possess the ability to make their way through the complex waters around them without the use of maps. What begins as a story of a specific kind of skill and location soon opens the door to larger questions about the concept of place. Tingley invokes the way the brain can grow when memorizing information about location and writes about how conditions can atrophy certain areas of that same organ, taking with it that sense of place before moving into the outright destruction of memories. Tingley writes, what seems clear is that our ability to navigate is inextricably tied, not just to our ability to remember the past, but also to learning, decision-making, imagining, and planning for the future. In a piece of writing that hit home, that resonated with me the most. Because for the last year or so, I've had certain places stuck in my head like insidious pop songs, earworms that can't be dislodged. Think of the hardest bars to shake, that moment in Kokomo that would make you opt for trepanation rather than hearing it again. It's like that but with a fleeting sense of a space that I've long since left behind. This is one of the places that runs through my head sometimes. It's a small stretch of Sycamore Avenue in Shrewsbury, New Jersey, facing east, approaching a traffic light where the road intersects with Route 35. That spot, right there, is about five minutes from the house where I grew up. It's an intersection I knew well on one corner is the church I attended as a child, turning left at the light, and in this recurring moment, we are definitely in the left turn lane, waiting for the arrow to appear in the streetlight above. Leads to where I'd get haircuts when I was 10 or 11. It leads to the friendlies where I'd eat with my parents every once in a while and enjoy what at the time seemed like the tastiest food ever. <laughs> it leads to the nearest post office, 
it leads to what was once a pizza hut, but now isn't much of anything. I'm in the passenger seat of the car. We approach the light, shift into the left turn lane, and wait. The car turns, and we're on 35 northbound, and then the sensation loops. It's a fragment. It's not specific enough for me to call it a memory. It feels like a clipping of something seen on a gallery wall or a collection of animated images, its progression unceasing. There is no specific time of year in this memory, and other than the fact that I'm in the passenger seat, I couldn't tell you much about the situation. Someone's clearly driving the car, probably my mother, but I can't see anyone else. It's not an empty stretch of road. There are other cars, or the idea of other cars, but there's nothing specific. No makes or models that come to mind. It's just that stretch of a hundred feet, maybe enough to turn and go another 50, and then it starts all over again. There's that, and there's the fact that it's the past. Of that I'm sure. It's a stretch of roadway that doesn't exist in that form anymore. That Friendly's that was a regular destination is now a Five Guys. Many of the storefronts and offices have changed hands. Luxury retail has begun to sprawl, making that, making that moment that loops in my mind inher inherently archaic. I'm not sure when specifically it is, but I know there's still a Friendly's a little further down. I know the signs will pass. I know that not all of those signs punctuate that northbound stretch of road in the second half of 2016. There are other spaces like this that pop up in my head, immersive and temporary. A handful of steps in the house in which my grandmother lived in St. Petersburg, Florida. Specifically, the walk I would take from the guest room past the bathroom and along the glass wall leading to the porch. The waters of Tampa Bay visible in the distance. <coughs> it's locked into one particular period of time, the early 1990s, give or take five years. The time is less important than the sensations. There's the feeling of that stretch of steps, the chill of the stone floor beneath my feet, and the light passing through the glass as I go. There's a loop centered around the mall near where I grew up, or part of it, a small side entrance right by a seam in the structure where one could take escalators up or down. I remember this entrance because in my early days of driving, there was plenty of parking nearby. I again have that sense of a limited space. The area just outside the door, the walk in, the look at a Hallmark greeting card store 100 feet away. The passage of people in the periphery. That sense of motion and of my own direction and the fear of collision. The store I see in this memory is long gone. And it's one to which I had no real emotional connection. Still, the loop lingers. There's the area backstage at my old high school. I was in the drama club, and I spent a lot of time lurking around the back door of a room that no longer exists in its current form. There were steps leading down into the food preparation area. The room doubled as auditorium and cafeteria. And every once in a while, some of us would sneak down, steal a few hot dog buns, and have a snack while we waited for something to happen. This is lodged in my head. The varnish on the narrow floorboards of the stage, the metal railings, the segue from wood to gray painted concrete as the steps ascended. 
Here too, this space is narrow. It's around five feet in total. I'm there and I can smell the bizarre odor of the buns, which isn't exactly appetizing, but isn't not appetizing either. It's a kind of comfort food before I knew what comfort food was. It was something amusing and furtive, something we did to pass the time, a minor annoyance we hoped to those who might find their supplies short one or two packages. And I can see it, 20 plus years gone, standing and surveying a half circle of terrain. These snippets pop up when my mind goes idle. They're ambient memories and sensations of motion, a kind of geographic music. Consider muscle memory and a sense of place as the world's way of telling us to remember something else, or as an absurdish joke, pointing us in the direction of spaces without meaning. There are no specific stories that I associate with these places. I draw a blank. They are divorced from any kind of specificity. Flashes of a time and a place notable mostly for what they aren't. None of these spaces are even places in which I can summon up great moments in my life. There are absences that my mind keeps wanting to summon again and again, but I remain at a loss as to why. Is it readiness or malfunction? Is it some sort of impractical optimism that, for some reason, I'll need to be back in these places? It's a reckoning I don't particularly want. Still, I can envision the ways to get to each and every one of them. The shift into the turning lane, the historical building on the left, and an open park to the right. The turn past the Quaker meeting house and past a collection of offices and modest storefronts. All of it leaves me here, considering this condition, considering why these spaces, why now, why the lack of a climax. I have no unfinished business in these spaces. All that they have in common is representing a part of the past that I literally can no longer return to. I don't know if this flotsam of the past represents something unique or something we all encounter in our idle moments. So for now, in my mind, they simply loop. The animated images that make up bits of a life little fragments of a larger narrative that hang there, incomplete, ready for projection. These ghosts of places sit empty, a riddle posed by some lost part of me. Moving from a repeated memory to a lack of one, Alex Rubin explores a relatable blanking moment. Being trapped in a social situation with someone you can't quite place. Switching it up, Tobias Carroll reads, Symbolism at the Snack Table. My one goal tonight was to avoid this. And you have killed that dream. <laughs> I understood that this was a housewarming party. I knew that there would be people, and they would try to talk to me, which I was truly not interested in doing. I, I have spent the better part of the summer ducking behind cookie butter jars at Trader Joe's so that I don't have to talk to people. It's not that I don't like people. I actually like the idea of the human race as an abstract entity. I think that people are essentially good and have mostly good intentions. But when actually faced with one of them, one of these people, I, I am weird. 
I forget simple things like what I normally do with my hands. Do I put them in my pockets? In my hips? Where do these things go? <laughs> I'm awkward. And I don't like feeling awkward, so I avoid the things that make me feel awkward, which are people. <laughs> but my best friend Michael said I'm too young to be a hermit. I told him that's just because I'm a hermit prodigy, but he didn't buy it. So he made me get on the sea train, I hate the sea train, and go up all the way to 125th Street and climb the five flights of stairs to practice being an active member of society. Horrifying. But I thought that if I hurried up those five flights and made a beeline through the new IKEA furniture to the snack table, I could at least keep human interaction to a minimum. But that is exactly where I am when it happens. Like you set the trap there just for me. I was standing in the corner with best friend Michael as he flirted with a boy who either exclusively shops at J. Crew or works there. <laughs> Meanwhile, I was grazing. I'm very good at grazing. It is an incredibly useless skill that I excel at. Well, no, actually, it's worse than useless. It's straight up detrimental. Any health professional will say that people need to stay the hell away from the snack table at an event. Suddenly, food quadruples in calories. That cracker with cheese is somehow the equivalent of a meat lover's pizza, just because it's on a snack table. It's a minefield, but it's A, delicious, and B, something to do with my mouth so I do not have to talk. I like to think that standing at the snack table is the international signal for, I'm awkward, don't engage with me. But see, you don't seem to know snack table etiquette, so you start on over. And I know it was my fault, too. I looked up from my plate. Rookie mistake! I looked up from the tiny plate on which I had fit a Thanksgiving dinner, and I scanned the room, and I met your gaze. And for that, I apologize if that looked like an invitation. I did not mean it to. You pause halfway through the crowd that is actively warming the house. I think maybe you'll talk to someone else. Someone that wants to comment on the pumpkin pie-scented candle the host lit, or the map of the Manhattan subway system that they had framed as an accent piece for the wall. For a moment, I think maybe you saw the terror in my eyes. The fear that I had, oh God, yes, I had accidentally invited you to come talk to me. Maybe you sensed what might happen if you came over, so you took pity on me. The skittish introvert in the corner eating the last of the sun-dried tomato hummus. But maybe you didn't see all of that because you're still coming over, walking with this super confident stride that says people liked you in high school. <laughs> and I realize that I have no way out. They put the damn snack table in a corner of the room with no doors or windows. I realize even if there was a window, I probably wouldn't be jumping out of it, but I would like the option. <laughs> You're coming closer and closer, and I wonder if someone switched the Spotify playlist to the Jaws soundtrack, or if that da-dum, da-dum is in my own head. It is excruciating to watch you draw closer and closer to me, but it really does make me appreciate how much more space you get in an apartment above 96th Street. <laughs> I reach into my back pocket for my phone, thinking that maybe I can pretend to get a call. Oh no, I left it in my bag, which is now under a pile of bags on someone's bed. And you're five steps away, four steps away, three, two, whoa. Oh my god, 
you give me this huge smile and say, Alex, and you hug me. It's one of those rib-cracking hugs that you learn to do when you have well-adjusted parents. <laughs> you hold me for much too long while you say in my ear, how are you? And now it's happened. I have to talk about my life. <laughs> oh, God, I hate this. I hate this so much. I hate this. <laughs> I start rattling off a prepared script. Best friend Michael has coached me for just this kind of question. Oh my gosh, so busy, but so good. I just had a show at the Samuel French Festival. We didn't move on to the competition, but I'm really happy with how it went. My actors were so great. <laughs> I keep going with the summary of my accomplishments, tinged with my Jewish-bred self-deprecation, which I like to call modesty. <laughs> and as I'm saying all of this, I am staring at your face hard because, dude, I have no goddamn clue who you are. <laughs> Now I am forced to start a horrible game of figuring out who you are, how I know you, and what I think of you. <laughs> For my first move, I turn to include best friend Michael in the conversation and say, this is my best friend, Michael. Your response, oh, I know this guy. Then Michael gets a big hug. I think he's trying to tell me who you are because he knows that I do not know. His face peeks over your shoulder, growing red from the bone-cracking hug, and he mouths something, but I can't read lips. So I get about a split second to plan my next move. Okay, start with what I know. Straight white guy, knows Michael, an actor. You release Michael with, OMG, it's been a minute. Recalculating. Masculine gay white guy, <laughs> knows Michael, says OMG. <laughs> Definitely an actor. <laughs> Next move, I ask, what have you been up to? I'm doing a show in the Fringe. That's less helpful than saying nothing. Literally everybody is doing a show in the Fringe. <laughs> it's on my Facebook. Bitch, if I knew how to find you on Facebook, I would not be asking these questions. <laughs> New tactic. Jeez, when's the last time I saw you? I don't know. Andy's party? Who the fuck is Andy? <laughs> and how's your day job? Are you still at... You stare at me. You're supposed to finish the sentence for me, man. Come on. Don't you see what's going on here now? Who asks these vague half-questions except for someone that clearly cannot remember how she knows you? And now also I'm actually kind of pissed at best friend Michael. Because he should be helping here, but instead he's talking to Jay Crewboy again. <laughs> you know what, best friend Michael? Boys and button-ups come and go, but you and I are literally dying at each other's sides, so get in the game. <laughs> I turn back from glaring at Michael's right ear, and you're miraculously still waiting for me to finish my sentence. Fantastic! This housewarming party is now an Alex grilling party. So much fun! Best night ever! Can you really not see that I have no idea who you are? Are you just letting me suffer for funsies? If you know that I don't know, you have to acknowledge the situation and just get us out of it. I'm completely out of moves here. Maybe if I just keep putting words together. Still working at that place by... I can't remember the name off the top of my head. Ellen Stardust? Yes! No, that's not what I wanted to hear. <laughs> Somehow you are finding any answer that keeps me from narrowing down who you are. I'm not at Ellen's anymore. I'm doing real estate now. 
Of course you are. <laughs> because everybody is doing real estate now. <laughs> and you know, just move to 125th, you say, with that sunny little smile. And then I realize, I know who you are. I know exactly who you are. Because you are not, in fact, one person. You are all of the people in my life that I just know well enough to follow on Instagram. You are every dude that I met at Andy's party, or in the fringe, or at the snack table. You are a symbol. <laughs> you are the Godot I was never waiting for. You are the poster boy for our generation. I bet you just got an Apple Watch, too. And you never even needed it. You just wanted it, and it really has changed your life. And you're on Hole 30, and playing Pokemon Go, and taking Uber, and watching Stranger Things. How does it feel? How does it feel to be the amalgamation of every 23 to 32-year-old living in New York City? And how does it feel to watch me flounder like some organic, wild-caught salmon you picked out of a tank at Whole Foods? And I know you got your shirt on sale at Uniqlo because me too! <laughs> Finally, best friend Michael is back at my side. He's got his arm around my waist and is delivering one beautiful, horrifying, clarifying sentence. Happy housewarming, Evan. <laughs> That's it. Thanks for joining us for this installment of Know You Tell It. Visit us on the web at knowyoutellit.com.